Okay, welcome to another episode of Victory, the podcast. I'm Doug Ellen. I'm Kevin Dillon. Victory! We got a very special guest today, the reclusive and elusive broke mogul, one of my oldest friends in Hollywood, Scott Venner, Venner. Uh, who is responsible for a lot of the music on the show and has also become just a, I mean, you become like a weird cult of personality. (laughs) The good news is, though, because I'm such a music guy, Kevin Dillon and I both and Connolly, but I'm so pre-2000. Like, I I know everything about music pre-2000. Me too. And when the show started, a lot of the taste was was mine, although Venner was there, and we'll explain how he got there. But you can see the shift in the music as we let Venner really take over. And it's a great, uh, to me, it's a great Hollywood story, how it all came together. It's an amazing thing about his talent and his ability to spot artists, deal with artists, and... um, he wasn't in this business, and I'm not sure he had any intention of getting into it. So I also love the way you mix in the rock and roll with the rap and all other stuff. Also, really too, it, it's something of- that comes up a lot. And Venner, like I was saying, I never really watched the show when it came on because I was still a little traumatized. He still doesn't, by the way, <laughs> even though he's supposed <laughs> but, to every night. But. but, you know, I would hear these comments like people would just, you know, the music is uh, we were known for our music. And before we get to Venner, listen, I'm very inspired and you don't have to jump on it, Connolly, by Scorsese and the way he did needle drops. And it was imperative to me from the beginning. Of Are this, you we, comparing yourself to Scorsese a, again? A little bit, no. <laughs> but I, it, was, it was important to me that it was a needle drop show that we, and thank God HBO was willing to let us spend the money to get real great music. Uh, for our normal people out here, what does needle drop mean? Please? Like, instead of score, having somebody write original music, we were using songs that would, you know, invoke different emotions in people, but hopefully... And that's called a needle drop. Yeah, okay. and when it's... Never when it's that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when you're using a record. But when it's really done well, hopefully 20 years from now, people will remember that song and uh, we'll get into going to California, which is the most upsetting thing about our relationship because <laughs> Led Zeppelin is my favorite group, uh, favorite band of all time. And that was Venner's fucking idea, which I don't know how which I didn't come up with. people love. It was, it was perfect, and we'll get into how hard it was to get that song as well. Let's start at the beginning, and we'll include you guys in whatever. But, mm-hmm. uh, okay, Scott, we're friends for um, – Scott is, was very close with my ex-wife in college at the University of Arizona. And then we became very close and played basketball, hung out, talked about business and stuff. But really, I don't think we ever did anything business-wise before this, right? No, uh, no but the funny part about the relationship in Arizona, where, where I lived next door to Doug's girlfriend at the time, who became his wife, who he had kids with. And I didn't learn until eight years later that he said the only reason he became friends with me at that school was because he didn't want me sleeping with his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that at all, but it's a good story. That he's going to be like, I don't know what this guy's telling Connolly. We got to edit that one out. And by the way, when Melissa hears that, she's going to be like, what? But I don't know. I don't remember it, but I like it. Like, great opener, though, Venner. Great opener. By the way, true story. We were worried the comedy wouldn't come from Venner today. So he's starting off strong. So, so anyway, we, we then get into this. We'll just flash forward to after our many years of basketball. And Venner is an excellent basketball player who does not pass the ball. Okay? Is that he right? Is, He's a Carmelo-type scorer. And surprise, Venner had a great shot. Actually, was a great passer. That's one of the tragedies of him. He just wow. didn't do he it. He just didn't do it. He <laughs> put it up every it. time. Yeah, he put it up from anywhere, by the way. Before Steph Curry was launching half-court, Venner was launching half-court shots. Nice. nice. So, all right, so we get to Entourage now. For, again, Venner, I don't know why. We were very close. And I don't mean, I don't know why we were close, but I, I valued his opinion. You were close because he did not want you to hook up with <laughs> But I valued his opinion, and I and I I guess I remembered it differently. But I brought you to see the pilot at my house. You were living in New York, so go ahead. I, I was living in New York, and then uh, me and my girlfriend at the time came to L.A. for a couple of days. And you're like, come over right now. I got this uh, pilot I want to show you. It hasn't. Did been, it have music already or no? It had music, music in it already, but okay. it hadn't been greenlit yet. So huh. I, I think he was about to submit it into HBO. I remember sitting. It was like 
nine, ten o'clock at night. He like made me come the minute I landed. <laughs> and I remember sitting there and probably like the first five minutes, he's looking at me like angrily. Like, yeah, he's the worst that yeah, way. He's like, because why are you not you're laughing? Not holding your side laughing, <laughs> yes, talking about it's the greatest thing you've ever seen. He's That's mad exactly at it. We're, we're, not, we're not talking holding your side. We're talking <laughs> dead silence. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's trying to figure out notes. He's giving notes. He's though. like, he's like, why aren't, why aren't you laughing? Like, you know, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, the music's so bad, I can't pay attention to the wow. joke. Wow. And And he was like, all right, well, if you can do better, do it. Just watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're such a fucking musical genius, let's hear your ideas. And really, the truth is, I'm not inviting him over for notes. I'm really, like a lot of us do sometimes, I'm just inviting him over to have my friend tell me how good I am. And that's not happening at all, okay? So go ahead. So cut to... You guys can guess how that conversation went the rest of the night. <laughs> right. I'm actually to- kind of insulted, too, because we had some funny lines in there. Yeah, no, he wasn't watching acting at all, which is it's good, because that's, that's good, why yeah. he's so good at what yeah. he does. Well, I had no idea that I could do it, but we'll get to that part later. So the next morning, he comes and picks me up. I was staying at my mom's house, and he comes and picks me up to go play basketball. And, I'm, and I brought... Uh, my i i don't know if i had ipod or cd it might have been an ipod, iPod like yeah. early ipod yeah. this is 2003 generation if there's an ipod one, generation yeah. one ipod but <laughs> i was like this is the kind of music that you need to be uh having in your show like this is what cool kids from new york would listen to not w- what you had in there and he heard the song lucifer that i played for him which was a jay-z song and the album had just come out that week so he goes, oh, I love this song. What is this? What is this one? And it's a Kanye produced track, which is pretty <laughs> ironic, you know, because we didn't know then that it would lead to him being on the show later. Huh? And he was like, this should be the end credit song right here. This is perfect. We got to I got to get this in there. And then it ended up being the first end credit song. And I remember Doug telling me, he's like, oh, everyone's asking where I got that song from. It's a great song. And I went back to New York and the show got picked up. And Doug uh, is like, hey, the show's getting picked up. You got any more songs like that Jay-Z Lucifer one? <laughs> well, I have a question. Where was Jay-Z at in his career at this point? I mean, he's point? huge I mean, already. Was he, he was, yeah, he was huge, huge already, huge. right? Yeah, he was huge. He's yeah. huge already, but just Doug's so- like, who's this Jay-Z guy? <laughs> <laughs> I would have been the same way. Just so you know how it, how it works, though, because people ask, how would we work together? So the second I did hear that intro piano, I knew exactly where it was going to go. I also knew I needed a wide shot, which you see the show goes to that wide shot after you go, um, Colin Farrell's good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it there, because maybe we can use that song. I don't know if we get in trouble for that. But basically... You say that line, and yeah. I knew we needed a wide shot. But Scott picked that song, and then I kind of, I kind of used him illegally for, I guess, a little while, just picking uh-huh. his brain again, not knowing. I don't even. I know him for ten years at this point, maybe more, and I don't know. He's got good musical taste. I well, believe. I was working at MTV at the time, and uh-huh. and uh, in New York, and um, I remember you like asking me if I had more songs, and I was like, "Look, uh, just get me a music consultant credit. You don't nice. have to pay me." And I just want to have my name on the show and I'll send you all the music that I like. So the first season was really... You gave me, it away. Was Well, not, forget about giving away. It was me just... Uh, I didn't even mind that part because I was working and it didn't make yeah. any difference like no. to make uh, an extra $500 an episode or whatever. They would have paid me as a consultant. <laughs> yeah. but I used um, to pay for a lot of meals though. I, I, didn't, I didn't live in LA then, so I don't know who oh, you were buying nice, meals nice. for. Mike Young. Mike Young. What had happened was I never got to see the episodes. I only got to just send in my music and oh. then when the show would air, I would get to see where my songs went. So I didn't, I didn't have that sort of like you weren't able oh, to place, yeah, where you, place yeah. it where I wanted it yeah. and now when I look back and, and see some of my songs like I, I see like I just went because I knew I was going to do this I just went and watched the entire uh, series like um, from the beginning wow but uh, so season two, I ended up. Uh, so wait, I just wait, wait, say, real quick, yeah. were you happy with where the songs were placed in there, or were you like, oh, I would have put, I would have put this song here? By the way, Benner is a complete fucking control freak. He is never happy unless he's decided and he gets his way. I got period, you. which is good. Yeah. Well, I'm similar, also. By the way, uh, we all are. Yeah, all I mean, it, 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 it's just having a strong point of view of how you like see the thing, uh, imagine it in your head, and then it comes out. I didn't really have. A, a strong point of view of how the music was placed because remember I never did this before I, mm-hmm. I was just like I, did, I didn't even know I had good taste in music until <laughs> everybody started like reacting and, and, yeah. and saying things to it and you also got to remember I, I knew already that I trusted Venner 
So yeah. from where, wherever point that happened, I don't know if it was right after Lucifer, but still, I had brought in people from high school, from this. So every time I was bringing in someone who really wasn't in the business, HBO was very specific mm-hmm. about these people have to be like professional. Yeah. They have to be established. Done it. They have they to be established. established. Doesn't mean they're good, but it yeah. means they're established. And also, just let's not forget, I got Venner's first job. Which the, led Venner, you're going to realize that Doug is going to take credit for 25% of everything that happens but in here. I, I do have to give him some credit because he did get me a really good job that led me to MTV. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I came in and helped, you know, carry a couple seasons for him. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It <laughs> is. By the way, let me ask you a question. Doug, did you, would you say to Venner, even in the early days, like, yo, so this is like some kind of tone to a scene or an episode? We need something upbeat or we need something dark? Uh, you know like, what? That's how it started early on. And again, I was so classic rock driven. Even if I gave him a classic rock song, he would kind of. I guess, or were you big into the rock too, or are you mostly about the new music? No, no, no. I, I, I think the thing I'm probably the most proud of about the music on the show as a whole is how diverse and eclectic yeah. we were without it feeling out of place. Agreed. I love the mixture of the two music yeah. Yeah. together. A lot of shows that I watch, they're very specific and then they just keep hitting the same note every single time, mm-hmm. right? With something different and new. But for us to be able to do, and by the way, that wasn't set out to be the design of the show. It, I think it was because Doug started off placing music that had that rock vibe. Mm-hmm. I came in with some of the newer rock, uh, uh, hip hop yeah. and uh, indie rock music and, yeah. and new artists and electronic music. Yeah. And it just started to uh, grow organically into that. And then once we got to like seasons three and four, we kind of defined what kind of works and how it does. And mm-hmm. I would have never known that you guys are going to do all these walking and talking shots and, yeah. and you know, playing music right underneath that. And then coming up with ideas of only wanting to play like really hot beats of famous rap songs so that you kind of like knew what the song was if you were a listener, but you didn't hear any lyrics to disturb the, the conversations that were happening. Yeah. And uh, that was probably <laughs> our biggest fight. Our biggest fight. Because you don't want to distract the dialogue. Yeah. And better exactly. to give a shit about I the dialogue. Give a shit about <laughs> I want people to hear my song. Like, no way, bro. <laughs> so, Venner, at the height of popularity of the show, were people like blowing you up like, yo, you got to hear my new artist. He's great. Were they looking? Were you getting a lot of incoming calls to take shots at people? And if that's true, did you... Did you do that for anybody? Uh, Yes and no. I mean, most of the time. So the reason why I disagreed with Doug on playing all the classical rock stuff is it just seemed too obvious to me. Like, Like, it got me off as a drug to have people react to, oh, my God, I remember that song. If it was played today, it would be a hit again. Oh, my God, that's a brand new artist I've never heard. Let me Shazam that. Like, that to me was the drug. And if I could keep doing that, that became a conversation. But to play a song that was a classic rock song that I used to always make fun of Doug, I was like, why are you playing the Time Life catalog? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, the combination that worked out so great, though, I feel, for but the that, show. But though. that is really, it is an interesting thing for anyone out there who's trying to get into the business. Because for me, look, we all know I'm a control freak. And I used to write the songs into the scripts. So I, I heard a rhythm. Mm-hmm. And it's a very tough thing to let go of that, which I think Venner knows by... I guess season four, I just said, fine. Like, I would say, but what about this? And that's the weird thing about Venner. Then starting to throw some classic rock shit back at me was so weird. I was like, what is happening now? You know, you do grow just like with you guys as actors. You grow to trust the people you work with. And I I started trusting him so much. He used to send me playlists just for my own, for parties, for whatever. I was like, I need some young music. You got to set me up, bro. I need a new playlist. (laughs) Welcome back, Victory the Podcast. We are here with music mogul extraordinaire and my friend for 25 years. I don't understand that because I still feel like we're kids. But anyway, Scott Venner. So we got some questions from the internet. It's really, it's unbelievable. Like I just put on Instagram, like any questions for Scott Venner, hoping someone would jump in. And there's, there's honestly 400 of them, like wow. 400 questions. Wow. So we're going to try to get and to And we it. know you love a little action on your social media. <laughs> comments. Ooh, Who knew that I could comments. post Venner and get some real likes? It's really God. So, but anyway, let's get into some good stuff. Kanye. We had Kanye on. You came to me. You you got him. Because Venner would start establishing all these relationships with people, which was amazing. That, that so I certainly you got remember. Kanye on? 
I spoke to G about getting him on, and they they wanted to, and and there was also Carrie, who was really close friends with G at the time, who worked on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, they wanted to use. And G is G Roberson is uh, Kanye. He signed Kanye really early on, and he was managing him at the time. Gotcha. And he used to work at Rockefeller with Jay Z as an A and R guy. And he's very successful in the music business and really well liked. And uh, he he and I came up with an idea of launching um, Kanye's single so that the first time anyone ever heard it would be at the end credits of the show when it aired. And it was one of the most stressful syncs that we ever did only because Kanye wasn't finished with the song. And the crazy part about it is the actual version that aired on our show was a different version that made it onto the album because he changed the drums that's awesome and it became like one of the most popular things talked about on the internet and twitter uh, even still today because they everybody always says how do we get the entourage version of the good life yeah but what had happened was g and i uh went into the studio and met and he started playing me kanye's uh, album and i knew like what we were looking for in the end credits as a song, and I chose that particular song, and I think that's the reason why it was so crazy about whether they were going to allow us to use it or not. And do you remember what season and what episode that was? It's the can episode. It's the it plane is, when Kanye's on the episode. Oh yeah, yeah. finale yeah, of, of season four. Wow. Yeah, and I don't remember whether I said, "Can we also get Kanye or not?" But we Venner got Kanye. However, it went down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know what to expect from Kanye. I was really surprised. He seemed super laid back and. So you think he'd be a good president? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't think he should continue. Well, I do remember the- he didn't say any of the lines you wrote, though. And you were like, all right, uh, Kanye, you got to say this. Say these lines right here. I he rem- tried to go. He tried to he go. Went rogue. Rogue. He went he rogue. He went rogue. I don't really even remember that. I, re- I remember Piven throwing grapes at him. Does anyone else remember that? Which is I really remember Piven, strange. Because, uh, you know, also, too, you know, he's up there. He's got a bunch of dialogue. And, uh, you know, he's our guest. The idea is to support him. To help him get through it off yeah. camera, too. Yeah. By the way, yeah. not to complicate well, well, things for him. Well, I think what happened is I think he was a little uh, he was a little late getting back to the set from lunch. Whatever happened during lunch, but uh, he was great, and the song was obviously amazing and and a you know a big thing for us. Which just to jump forward, Venner also in the movie. I mean, this was in my mind because again, classic rock Venner all of a sudden. But you know, Venner knows Rick Rubin, one of the great music producers mm-hmm. in the world. And says, you want to go out to the studio and uh, and hear some unreleased Tom Petty music? I'm like, no, wow. that's not what happened. What happened? Uh, we, Rick Rubin and Childish Gambino in The weekend, were going to make an original song for Entourage. Oh, yeah. And all of us drove out to Malibu to sit in the studio. And Shangri-La, right? Shangri-La. And while we were waiting, Rick was just playing unreleased Tom Petty from when he made uh, like his classic albums. It was just like stuff that just sat in the vault. It was supposed to be a double album and that never came out. And he's playing these songs on his iTunes and just like by himself. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, oh, this is I'm Tom pretty Petty. sure I was like, what's up? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Doug has a funny way of remembering things. I mean, all right. Well, let, let's let your classic became- rock legacy go on. <laughs> and so uh, he starts playing it. And then what ended up happening was the song that uh, The Weeknd and Gambino made never finished. It, was, it wasn't right. It wasn't going to work in the scene that we needed it for. And Doug and I ended up going and sitting down in the valley with Tom Petty's manager and trying to talk him into allowing us to use one of these unreleased songs wow. that, you know, never came out. And he was like, oddly enough, we're about to put these out. It's okay. Wow. That's, they heard it on Entourage first. Yes. yes. Another first. That's amazing. 100%. We and we also. Tom Petty song. Wow. Kanye. That's, that's Jay-Z. Amazing. Name them. Tragedy, tragedies of tragedies. And by the we, way, where you guys were is Shangri-La Studios in Malibu, right next to my house. And it's a, like a legendary place. The band recorded there, Eric Clapton, yep, yep. Jimi Hendrix. Dylan. There's yep. a pinball machine. Well, Rick Rubin is. And it I says mean, J-I-M-I with a score on there. It's a and by the really way, amazing Ven- place. did have us, which is one of the great tragedies of, of I mean, whatever. Maybe it went to Mattered anyway. But we had the weekend. Three months before it was going to be released, uh, I Can Feel Your Face. Is that the title of the song? I mean, it's an amazing song. Is that the actual title? I Can't Feel Your Face. I can't We're feel supposed your... to be in, yeah. in, in so, Entourage. So that movie. was in the movie mm-hmm. until, 
I don't know. Maybe they they realized that the world was turning on us and they, <laughs> they didn't want to be involved. But you put the weekend on early, though, didn't you? So the weekend story is actually a great story. Is he was like starting to really bubble on the internet, and uh, it was we're talking re- early two thousand and this uh, was well. The song ended up being uh, the promo for Vince's drug season. We used high for this, which is a cool story because it ended up being the promo of Entourage. And his music was almost exclusively on the internet, no radio play whatsoever. But because, this is what Abel The Weeknd told me, he said, uh, because we started playing it on the promo, radio reacted to the fact that that song was a weekend song and started playing that song on the radio. And it wasn't even close to being one of his best songs. Wow. And Still it was awesome, though. It was just because it started to be on the promo, and these people were reacting to what they thought was going to be this cultural event uh, going on, and it helped him get radio play. Um, and Venner, and- he, he just had an ear for it. I mean, you brought us Rihanna before um, she was signed. Before she wow. was signed, and we had. Um, I remember that song, and I'm thinking, I never. Who is this girl? Well, it's yeah. crazy. That song on the replay. Yeah. No. Yes. yes. The, it was no, our that's first what song. we put on though. That, that put is what we put on the episode, but that was the song that was supposed to promo? be in the promo. Okay, so we had that for the promo. HBO did not approve it. And you don't remember this, but Venner went crazy. He's like, this song, and you said it, this song will be number one. Okay, <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. It's a good song. And, well, it went Still. to number one. It went to number one. And uh, Venner also, did we put it on, drop it like it's hot? I mean, Venner found that early. I don't remember if we ever... Well, I was in the on. studio when they recorded it, so... Money aside, why is clearing music... So complicated. Why is it such a, a rabbit hole, if you will? Like, what? What? It, it just feels like a never-ending battle, constantly, right? Well, there's a lot of rights holders. So there's, you know, you get into a studio, especially with hip hop music. There's so many different writers who contribute. Somebody sampling something, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, some guy writes the hook, or some someone writes, you know, part of the verse. There's sometimes two or three artists on a song. You got to get approval from You got to get approval people. from yeah, every single wow. person. Um, and then especially with like 90s hip hop, uh, where there's so many different uh, samples in the song and a lot of the artists or the labels back then didn't even, you know, they didn't have to clear the music. They could just put it out. And then going back to that era to try and get that music, the songs have never been cleared and no one's ever admitted that those are the samples that exist in the song and people don't want to pay what they owe. So they just ignore it and let that copyright sit there. And with all that type of stuff of what's sampled, what's not, and how good a song is, whatever it is, it brings us to, I, I think, a great story. With I think it was the Bob Saget first episode, but uh, Big Pimpin', which uh, Venner Venner puts this song in, which was perfect, expensive song, difficult. Jay Z, Big Pimpin'. Okay, and now Venner is not yet the official music supervisor, so he still is kind of like you know the the schmuck who comes in, doesn't really get paid, says it. But anyway, he leaves and I leave because I was gone. You must I, be getting pissed about not getting paid at this stage, right? No, I mean, it's season one. I wasn't. I just like the fact that it was like okay. cool that you right. Know, whatever. But at what point did you? I, go I didn't like, have any expectations of what was going. At what point, point did you happens? go? Yo, I love the show and I love you, but like I gotta. I gotta yeah. Oh, he I did it. Believe me. And and by the way, I, this is one of my best friends, but one of the most like a real artist. And I actually do want to get into like why you never produced and why that, whether that was ever the thought, but this happens, big Pippin, Jay-Z, we have it in the thing. Venner and I go home and then it airs whatever a week later. Well, it goes to what Kevin was saying. The publishing hadn't cleared yet for, I can't remember. It was either, I think it was the master recording hadn't cleared yet, but the publishing did clear. So they went and (laughs) re-recorded The, wow. the music supervisor at the time went and re-recorded a version of Big Pimpin' with, Basically the with a rapper who wasn't Jay-Z. Oh, my <laughs> God. And, and they aired it. And aired it. And Venner calls me. He Jay-Z? lost his mind. Yeah, God. it was Jay-Z karaoke. By the and, way, that day was almost... It might have been worse, but Kevin Dillon breaking his arm. There's a couple of moments. But that was Venner, the same day? Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is in, in the history of milestones okay, of bad you, moments, Venner's like... We will never get another song in this show ever. We are blackballed, done, finished. Well, can I say something? That's a pretty big fuck up. It wasn't a fuck up. It, it wasn't was actually a, a, a deliberate was, attempt to save yeah. money and and go behind really my bad. I mean, that's pretty fucking. I mean, it, it, it I wasn't. It, I don't think it was to save money. I think it was that the date for us to get it cleared 
had expired and we only had a certain time to lock the episode for it to air. And that's why they ended so up doing it. So it aired with an imposter singer. Yes. yes. And yes. then you had to pull that off and and, and then mean, we got it off any uh, episode moving forward like – Right away after it aired. So you had to talk to someone from HBO, clearly. Right, right. yeah, yeah. What do you and guys... It, and by the way, it costs a lot of money to go redo this and stuff. And now, if it was 2020, it would have spread around the entire world. And it would it honestly would have been disastrous. But you were us. able to yank it out of the universe. Good job, you guys. At the time. Yes. But with And with what some... season was this, by the way? I think it was season one, maybe. It was it's a se- Saget episode. So no, that's season two. two. Season it's the middle two. of season yeah. two. By the way, I can't, first of all, I can't believe I never heard that story. That's, that's fucking crazy. bananas. I never heard it I can't it either. believe that somebody did that. And let me tell you, Venner, I call him sometimes the Dark Knight because he brings some bad news often, like when, when my movie bombed. Venner, uh, you know, I'm not talking about Kissing opera. a fool? Kissing oh, a fool. God. Oh, yeah, Venner was like the first one. Venner and Brian Share were the first ones I heard from. Whoops. I'm like, oh, fuck you. But anyway, I mean, he, on so many screens. And Venner like, was like, people love this. Fat Beach, though. <laughs> Venner was in, by the way, Venner was in Fat Beach. Oh, boy. Really? Okay, so continuing so on Young. about Jay Z, please. But, but Venner, uh, rightly so, went nuts and we got it solidified. But it is something because. Did Jay Z know what happened, or I don't know if he ever did, but his okay. uh, at Let's the time, John Manili, his people didn't loved it. I can't. No, no, I, d- I found out from his people. I didn't even know that oh, it was God. the fake version. Oh, I had man. to go back and listen to it. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> How'd that conversation go. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, and it is. It's relationships, and you know, I, I guess some people look at some songs that have samples as like almost oh, they're not really original, which is stupid, and these. You know, they've gone to the to the work to make this piece of art and you don't fuck with it. Yeah, well, also, too, I mean, like if you do the equivalent, Dylan, could you imagine if you're watching the episode and you had some random dude ADR one of your lines? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you had some Johnny drama knockoff. It's always shocking when you watch like, bro, you're flipping through the TV and you see yourself speaking Spanish. I love that, though. And I I saw some entourage in another language. I did an Egypt and I was like, this guy's a better actor than I am. Actually, better voice. Yeah, when the show this actually pissed me off is because when the show got syndicated for the short amount of time that it did on Spike TV and a few <laughs> other places we didn't do very well what really bummed me out is back then when we first made our music licensing deals no one ever thought to in perpetuity and all DVD internet any type of uh, you know possible thing that uh, could exist they only did it for television at the time and um, so the uh, to get all those licenses again it was really expensive and someone at hbo decided that they were going to pull the expensive songs out and replace them with music that they could get for cheaper and so i'm watching the episodes on spike tv with songs i never approved or put in the episodes when i did my espn uh 30 for 30 i wanted to have the rock kim song strong island in there I won battle that I planted my feet and I fought. And the same thing happened. They agreed to let it go first run. So like when it aired on ESPN and then you go on Netflix and it's like, I don't know who the fuck picked that song, <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't even sound like rock him. It's not even a knockoff. It's like elevator music. It's great. It's devastating. And, wow. it, and it really does. Uh, I mean, look, for people who care about it when they're making the work, it, it means a ton. Obviously, these aren't our songs, but they, they are put to stuff that we're doing. And when they, they change, it changes everything. So, so when the show aired on Spike, we didn't have Big Pimpin'. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that one specifically. Well, but like we lost a bunch of songs. We lost wow. a bunch wow. of songs. The good news is, is nobody saw it on Spike, so I don't think it caused any more problems. Um, all right, we have so much more to well, talk we didn't, about. We didn't curse on Spike too. I mean, we had, we never did our uh, curse voiceover, so I mean, it was it was all. We were just supposed terrible. to do a clean version and then the cursing version, and we never did. Do you know, so. I almost had a fist fight at season eight Entourage premiere. Conley, I think you were there. This guy came over to me. He honestly wanted to take a picture with me. And in the middle of the picture, he goes, thanks a lot for ruining my career. I said, are you being funny right now? He goes, no, I, I was the one who bought the show for Spike and it didn't do well. And I honestly, I, I looked him in the face. I said, go fuck yourself, you fucking jerk off. I mean, I, I like, to be honest, I knew the show would never syndicate unless they, they showed it the way it was. I mean, the dialogue was important. The music was important. And if you're going to change it, it's not going to work. So Dumb's got to be it. true to his, his Instagram followers, bro. You got to answer well, the fans. This isn't even an, just from the Instagram, although, at Kavan Singh wants to know how we got going to California. And I just want to 
I sort of uh, talked about this early, but the fact that I didn't think of this is gonna gonna haunt me for the rest of my life. And Venner did, I think, like in season five or six, was like, "This is the song." And if he didn't think of it in five or six, we wouldn't have gotten it because that was the hardest song to get. Correct? It was. It was hard. Yeah. You guys knew you wanted to end the series with that song. I, in I season knew. Five? I knew. I knew. I did in season five, season six. Wow. Uh, I think Venner wanted to end the show in season six. Yeah, but so by the way, like, we're talking about Led Zeppelin's shows. going to California. Led so. Zeppelin's going to California. If you and- listen to the lyrics, it just like it, I. I always imagine when I listen to the uh, lyrics of that song that it went so well with what the show was about and what, yeah. what had happened. Totally and, and it is, you know, look, like and, not getting emotional for me, but bringing it all back around. You know, I moved out to California. Melissa, who was Scott's friend from I moved out is one of the reasons I moved out. We met on the phone right before that. We were married probably three or four years later after I got here. But that song has such meaning to me as well. I did not come up with it. I like to think I got him thinking classic rock and we'll get into a couple other classic rock tunes. But tell us, you know, a couple of thoughts on why you thought of that besides the lyrics which you just said because I love the beginning also we have with- Melissa on the phone right now that confirmed <laughs> that Scott was friends <laughs> can you imagine they had an affair I learned it right now that would be devastating my, my kids hopefully listen to this so that but, was uh, the inspiration behind Kevin's storyline with, with that stepmom <laughs> so tell us how you went about going and getting Led Zeppelin who's very rarely now we did we got a lot of stuff the doors I don't mm-hmm. think it'd been on TV before I'm Neil I, Young yeah, no they're really Neil particular. Young I'm not sure about the Eagles either, but anyway. It's- the White Stripes are the only ones that turned us down. They're gangster, White- though. They don't give a fuck. White Stripes turned us down, and the reason they did is because they didn't like the show. And Doug <laughs> even wrote a letter because it worked so well in uh, one of our episodes. And so when, when they still denied us after Doug wrote the Doug, letter. Doug, you're looking at him right now. He's fucking dead. <laughs> no. He's so pissed right now, Doug. So Doug, I'm not. The, so Doug goes— uh, he goes, you know what? I'm going fl- to have Ari say this Led Zeppelin light band. <laughs> he was like ready to just crush them. Now, by the way, I don't, if he says it happened, it happened, but I've seen the White Stripes and Jack White live 15 times. I'm obsessed with Jack White. Um, He's not obsessed with you, obviously. Or you. Okay. Or but but I, I still. And he's, if anyone has not seen Jack White or the White Stripes, I mean, he's fucking genius. I cannot picture him sitting down and watching the show. So I will like to think some hack manager has responded that it's way. It's not but for us. us. This isn't for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it came from from someone. No, on- Venner spoke to Jack White. <laughs> but by the way, he really no, but is. It was uh, Rick Yorn's partner represents him. Uh, the guy who does all the music stuff for him. Whatever. I mean, whatever. I'm behind the scenes. Ian, Mon- guys- Ian Montone re- represented him. At so the you time. think it came from the band? It came from the band. Look, oh, he wow. can't even get along with his fucking sister. I don't think What do you want from me? All right? <laughs> I, I do love Jack White, and to even think that he sat down and didn't like the show would be, would, I would be happy with that. So, but back to Led Zeppelin, who I'm just going to throw one Jimmy Page story out there. This is true. We try to get Jimmy Page on the show. I'm obsessed with Zeppelin. I'm obsessed too, with Jimmy huge. Page. But I did, whatever it is, it's a true story. I'm walking out of a Trump International Hotel in New York one day. There's a kid out there with an autograph book. And I'm like, who are you waiting for? And he's like, Jimmy Page. And I'm like, I'm going to wait too. (laughs) I swear to you, this happens. Jimmy Page comes out and the kid goes, hey, Jimmy, can I get an autograph? And Jimmy Page goes, fuck off, kid. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I still like to think back, similar to how I want to make Jack White's story more pleasant for myself. Maybe the kid was like a professional autograph hound he or something. He probably was. But, Most of them are. But I was devastated to see Jimmy Page, uh, whatever. So anyway, so how do you go about getting this song, which Led Zeppelin does not license it, just like Jack White? So this is the thing is they were super precious about licensing their material to anyone. And if they did say yes, it was usually the most expensive song that you could get. And what ended up happening is one of the managers for them really loved the show. And he said, listen, if you guys are going to try and do this, the only way to do it is to send it to them at exactly the same time. Because if <laughs> they didn't get along and if one of them thought that the other one uh, wanted it, then the, then the other one would say no on purpose. Wow. And we were like— There's only three band members left, so you only had to go to three guys. <laughs> and so so then once we got to, got to that hurdle where we could actually even present it to them— um, we had to send the season finale, which everyone was trying to keep top secret and not have it like oh, leak yeah. and get out there. 
But we, we were like, okay, we're going to set them up on this like special software where they have to put in a code and do all mm-hmm. these things. And the, the publishers were like, no, the only way to do it is so they can just click play. There's, it's the, we had to get special approval from HBO to agree that we were going to send this without any security whatsoever so that when they opened the email, it was as easy as just pressing play. Wow. It's weird now looking back because I've told this story so many times and obviously I'm an embellisher. I used to say, so Venner went to freaking Jimmy Page's house, <laughs> Robert Plant's house, got them both to sign off on it, watch the episode. Over the gate, threw a rough cut over <laughs> yeah. the DVD over the gate. So it's actually a cool story because what ended up happening is we got the song and then after the episode aired, over the next two weeks, it became the most Shazam song, which Shazam was kind of a new app then. It became the most Shazam song on television and what it told the people who owned their music and the band that the younger generation who uses Shazam had no idea who that Led Zeppelin was and they wanted to know that music and from that point on the the labels and the publishers used that as a a way to get Led Zeppelin to start uh, stop being so precious with their music so people wouldn't forget about it and it all of a sudden you started seeing this wave of more yeah. Led Zeppelin music. I think they did up. like a Cadillac commercial, and I thought that was all after communication us breakdown was in something. I, mean, yeah. I don't remember what, but I mean, it, it was a testament to the show because whatever the ratings were, which TiVo was just coming into the forefront, we saw it with the music. We knew when whoever picked the song, mostly Venner, but when we picked it, that it really did pop and it really did even let Zeppelin like, you know, so Jimmy, uh, you owe me an autograph at some point. I want something. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of, couple of songs people are asking about, and I can't find the names. I'm sorry to everyone on Instagram. Well, I do want to ask about uh, Eminem and how we got him on the show and all that. We're all diehard Eminem fans. And as I recall, the song comes out, he references Johnny Drama and Entourage. And that I, was cool. And that I, was cool for me. And I think I challenged Venner, like, hey, go get Eminem. But that might not have what happened. I think but. there was also a thing where we, where Mark and Eminem way back when had beef. Really? Oh, I don't know that. Yeah, because he, he called him Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah, he, said, he said something uh, on an early Marky song. Mark, on an early uh, song. But they had made up, and now they're like boys. So that was like a really cool thing that he would accept the opportunity to come be on the show. Right. Dylan and, that, and I were at a party, and Dylan screams across the party, Connolly, I'm combing through the new Eminem album, waiting for hear an E shout out. <laughs> <laughs> How long true. am I going to be story. waiting? I'm like, keep waiting. That was the one time, because I remember the day he shot on the show i wasn't working that day and i had a couple monsters before that and i'm like am i gonna be like the loser guy that like shows up on my day <laughs> off to meet eminem because i i mean i think i'm a bigger eminem fan than all you guys but whatever um <laughs> and i regret it i regret not just going down there to say hey man i hey. never showed up on my days off either for anyone it, yeah. and i'm kind of bummed out of miss drew Brees. I mean, you know what? Eminem, I'm on the way out. Though. Eminem, which I mean, he's awesome. He, of yeah. course, he's awesome. But I mean, he was so great, and he did. He does have a star presence that was like pretty much unlike anybody else who came on. Um, but just a Jack White, Eminem was a fan of the show. Anyway, <laughs> wait. But funny side note about the Eminem thing. Paul told me that he was so Paul exci- Rosenberg, Paul Rosenberg, Rosenberg who's Eminem's manager, was so excited that uh, that he got to knock out Adrian, <laughs> and he had he had to explain to him like it's not for real. We have to do. That. <laughs> you can't really knock out. Adrian. We are acting here. Please don't knock out Adrian. <laughs> That's great. All right. So how do you, so Paul? By the Rosenberg- way, meanwhile during that scene, I had Kevin Love put me in a bear hug. Almost broke all my ribs. Do you yeah, remember that? He, I was, you you were injured for like a month after the Kevin Love thing. No, I was you? all right. He, he didn't hurt me, but I had to say, hey, Kevin, <laughs> go easy, bro. You're a big dude. <laughs> Kevin Love is legitimately one of the strongest human beings oh on my planet God. Earth. He Have you ever seen him? Back. Have you ever seen back. him take a chest pass? He can take a chest pass from baseline and uh, without right, any at legs. fourteen yes. million a year, he better be able to. Uh, that there's probably I bet ninety percent of the NBA great cannot guy do that. too. Great guy. So all right, Eminem. How do we get them? I remember the Sundance episode was the first time that we ever used a song. It was called Since You Want to Know, Obi Trice. It was the promo. I love that. It was the the opening of the Sundance episode and the ending of it and and uh that i don't know why we did it that way but we it just the same right. song for the opening and ending the only time ever wow. we it's awesome when they're it. walking in the snow it's it's awesome oh great yeah 
Yeah, and, th- and then, you know, we just used their music. Um, and then we had 50 on the show, which is obviously an Eminem at the time was a shady artist, part of Dre's crew. And uh, that whole crew, Interscope was like the hottest label back then. And we had a really good relationship with all their artists, with the music that they were using. But yeah, I mean, that, that was it. I mean, I mostly found music like that was brand new and stuff on the internet, not really through submission stuff. Uh, but All uh, right, so what's your favorite 10 cues? Your favorite top 10. Can you come up with that? I loved Little Ghetto Boy because I don't think by Dr. Dre. Do you remember what, an episode? Yeah, yeah we're not remember? even an episode. Let's go season, if you can attach a season to it. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what season that for. It was probably around season four-ish. Fake Plastic Trees was... One of my favorite ones, and that actually is a favorite end credits version, and I didn't actually pick it. Um, How did that happen? So I remember we had a long, uh, we struggled with trying to find something that worked. We were trying to like have that tone, and and I remember this was like one of the one times I uh, wanted to go play poker instead of working. <laughs> yeah, and, one, one of the times. <laughs> and, uh, that I can remember. And just to set the scene up for this, because that was a very big cue for me. Vince and Ari are separating. It's the plane. And I wanted something emotional without being corny. So so I remember speaking to Kier, who was uh, one of the music supervisors at the time. Me and him did it together. And I remember being on the phone with him and, and him saying, like, none of these are sticking. We have to come up with something new. And I was like, you know what? Go find us a great Radiohead song. And he was like, all right, good idea, good idea. And he, like, hit me back like an hour or so later and he goes I found it I got the one this is the one it's so great and he was right like that that one is one of my favorites um emotionally it connects perfectly with with it and then that I mean that that's how it ended up being in the show Space MIA when Vince is uh, jumping out of the plane Scott Lavin <laughs> with Scott Lavin I mean that one and going to California it w- was uh amazing because Remember, like, when I put music in, it usually is a locked picture, and there's no time to go back and, like, change the music to it. So mm-hmm. when they put in, like, uh, temp music in the episodes, like, when the director goes in and works on the first cut. They edit to the songs. They edit to whatever songs they right. like. Right. And yeah. then I end up taking out every single song that they put in. And you can't edit to those and, songs. And we don't, we don't have time to edit to it. So not only am I finding songs that work for the scene, I have to put the pieces together so that I could have songs that I really wanted to use, but they'll interrupt with dialogue. They won't hit on the cut of uh, the edit. And you have to, like, make it all work and massage it together. And that that becomes the hardest part. And that particular song, Space, it like it worked perfectly almost to where, like, people on the Internet were thinking that MIA made the song for our uh, show. And it, it came out... It, it was unreleased when we first got it. So I was working with a song that no one had ever heard, and I knew that when it aired, it was going to blow up. And then going to California, we didn't change the edit. We did not move the edit. It hit every single hmm. beat of the scene naturally, all the way to the point where, like, uh, going to go on a jet airplane, and then the two airplanes are taking off. Hmm. Like, how I would have s- thought that you guys cut that to that song. Never. Never no, change the, way, you the edit. You can't really edit that song. They would, I'm sure they would. That was put. No, in no, there. not edit the song. Edit, edit the, the scene, the picture. The picture yeah. yeah. But sometimes you edit a song, and there's there's artists that you cannot touch. And I'm assuming we were not able to edit a Led Zeppelin song. I would guess. <laughs> yeah, "In for the Kill" was one of my favorite ones by Larue, which has a pretty cool story backstory too. But that's when Vince and Sasha are laid out by the pool, and uh, season it ha- seven. Yeah, and it has almost like just the eerie vocal of the girl singing and that particular song i found on the internet which was a remix which wasn't even an official remix we had to like get it cleared just for this because somebody had made a edit of the song and i was told by uh, interscope that the monday morning that after that uh, show aired on sunday dr dre called up jimmy iovine and said hey check out this uh, girl who sings on the end credit song of this episode i love her and he goes, all right, I'll check it out. And then Jimmy called him back and said, good news. She's on our label. And then wow. he ended up working with, Dr. Dre ended up working with her because of that. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. So I'm the best A&R ever. <laughs> and then the Michael Jackson song, I Want to Be Where You Are with Jamie and Turtle going to New Zealand. Yeah. I don't want to say it was good timing, but it was crazy that Michael Jackson died 
two or three months before the episode aired. So when it actually aired, everyone thought we like intentionally picked it for that reason, but we had already locked it in wow. and it ended up airing uh, in that way where everyone freaked out, which led me to then uh, do the song uh, Above the Clouds, which was when Guru died. I think it was the Nick Cassavetes episode, yeah. the end credit song. And, and so like, that became like a sort of a theme where like if somebody had passed away, we would honor them by playing their music. Cool. James Blake, Willem Scream. First time anybody really heard James Blake's music in the U.S. Season seven was fun for me because I finally got to play like dark music and like that I that I personally listened to. Like yeah. that's the music that I listened to. Yeah, I tried to go dark. The audience yeah. fucking hated it. I'm glad Doug you had in fun. A dark place. Right? I just everyone said everything works out all the time. I was trying to go, <laughs> up, and now it doesn't. And they hated me for that. One of Venner and I's big fights when Eminence Front was one of our big fights because Ooh, Eminence Front it. I used in the in the pilot and the and, movie. Well, that was the fight. Oh, okay. so I mean, I I thought Eminence Front with him walking on that carpet was so fucking magical, and we battled for months on that, which I obviously won in the movie. And, and I told him it sounded like it, a, it, it sounded like a car commercial. No, well, well, that car commercial it. came afterwards. <laughs> it did didn't come it? after. It did come after. But I mean, I loved it. Walking it was down in that car commercials carpet. before that too. <laughs> hey, Dylan. Yeah, you like sex? Duh, who doesn't? Okay, I'm just making sure because, look, all of us, once in a while, you got some enhancement uh, performance enhancement What are you trying issues? to say, Doug? I'm trying to say I got a great thing for you. Have you heard of BlueChew.com? I have, actually, yeah. You yeah. have? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Here it's like a Viagra, Cialis kind of thing. Yeah, so basically, though, I mean, they give you an online physician for free you can talk to. They'd send you a discreet packaging so nobody knows about it. And then you know what you get to do after a great night? Oh, yeah, sleep like a baby. You yell, victory! These are chewables from BlueChew.com. They can be taken on a full or empty stomach, which is great. It's got the same materials as Viagra, Cialis. I know you know both of those. Okay, you get an online physician for free. When do you get a free doctor that's actually got a degree? You go, they send you a package that even if you don't want to tell your girlfriend, she won't even know. She'll just think you had a great day at the office. Give so, me a little confidence in the bedroom, huh? You know, we all need a little bit. So that's what BlueChew.com will do. Your partner's going to love it. And you know what the best thing is for you, Kevin? The guy who drives a, what, 67 Camaro made in the USA 69, Camaro? bro. Get it straight. This is made in the USA. It is a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and you get your first order free when you use the promo code VICTORY. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code VICTORY. Now, you can yell that out when you're having sex, too. It actually adds a whole other dimension to it. All right, guys, let's get back to the show. There is a question here about, you know, the uh, how did we get you two? To do, uh, I, I don't know. That was all Jeremy Well, a lot Piven, of people right? take was credit that for that. Jeremy Piven. No. I was fucked. It was oh, Ryan about it. Set that up. Well, no. What happened with U2, which Venner, I mean, was involved because he liked the music. But what happened was we were shooting at Dodger Stadium, or supposed to, and there was pot in the scene, so they wouldn't let us. So U2? Nope. Not pot guys. Interesting. No. Wow. The Dodgers. Marijuana oh, at Dodger oh, Stadium. Okay. They said no. So I'm stuck about three weeks before we're shooting, and I have tickets for the U2 concert on my birthday. And I say to Brian Burns, who who is, I mean, I'm not dropping names for him, but he's friends with Bono, whatever. They, they <laughs> whatever travel together. Well, no, no. He travels with Bono, Tom Hanks. They go to, not Park City, uh, one of the other ski places all the time. So I, I walked in. and Is one he of, better friends with Bono than I am with Jeter? Well, you know what? It's a good question whether he could get an instant callback. He's definitely better friends with Bono than you are with Conor McGregor. But I walk in very pissed off, as I often was, and I go, hey, fucking Burns. Burns is a producer, writer. He's one of my boys. But I'm like, uh, you're so good friends with Bono. April 6th, why don't you get it for the show since the Dodgers just said no to us? He's like, I'll try. The next day, he's like, we got you too. We're <laughs> wow. shooting at the wow. concert. I'm like, is this a joke? And then I'm like, uh, you think maybe he could say happy birthday to Johnny Drama too? Wow. Yeah. I, 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 was, I, I was not really paying attention to the early parts of it. And then when we got to the rehearsal, I said, okay, wait a second. So between songs one and two, Bono is going to interrupt this thing it's and so say, insane. happy no. birthday, Johnny Drama. It is not going to happen. Be prepared to play through everybody because he's going to forget it will not happen. So when he said it, yeah. that look was real because I couldn't way, fucking believe it. I was here. But by the way, there was no between one and two. They said he's going to say no, it. No, no, we no. have no idea no, when. No, no, no. That's not true. That's not true. It was specific. They said between either songs one and two or two and three. I'm 100% positive because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, that's really specific. 
I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm also going to tell you, and I have the whole concert on tape, which is amazing. So I will listen to it. But it was not during between one and two. They may have said it was going to be. It did not come when it was supposed to. Yes, and we it were, did. Okay. We're going to listen to that tape. Well, and gonna, one thing that did way, happen was. It. I have a recording of the, that that Phil did that's amazing. But the uh, lights went out yeah. during our reaction. So I kind of said, guys, we got to redo our reaction. The lights were out. So I said, pretend like you heard it again. Do you remember that, Kevin? Yeah. So we did that over and over again so you guys would have to react. Doug, I wouldn't make this up. We'll check it. It All was right. either between songs one and two or two and three or between two songs. But we knew roughly because I remember thinking like, yeah, he just can't. <laughs> All that's going on. He can't remember that. Like, why would he? Yeah, well, we definitely didn't but know. Wait it was a second. I it thought was, I was, Jeremy Piven had something to do Jeremy with it. Had he will zero say he to do with it. Really? Jeremy I, Piven I, had I, nothing to do with it. He for had some less reason, to do with it than Stock Tip Dave had to do with it. <laughs> nothing. For some <laughs> reason, I remember there being uh, you two saying you guys only get to shoot for X amount of times, and we're going to pull the plug on 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 the shooting. That that was true. And we had no crowd controls, and we did not know he was going to say it in Spanish. Okay, we <laughs> yeah. also did not know the lights were going to go out, and it was shot on film, so it's, we couldn't look at it until. And it was on a Friday, I believe. We didn't see it till Monday, and everyone thinks it's fake that he does not really say that he did. It's fucking magical, and it's amazing. And Brian Burns is single-handedly yeah. responsible. By the way, for getting Scott Venner just confirmed my thing. That's what they said. It was between songs one and two, and then they kicked us out. They Maybe. kicked us off the floor. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It was my, bur- they didn't it was my want birthday. The, Get off my ass, man. They didn't want, they didn't want the cameras. They, I remember everyone That's panicking. They said, we're yeah. going to do it but yeah. some, between songs one and two and then beat it. It was great. I, do you remember how tough that walk and talk was outside of oh, the yeah. Staples Center? Oh, yeah. There were so many bogeys coming in and out and ruining yeah. the shot. We had to go back like 15 How dare times. those people that paid all those money for those <laughs> tickets walk into that Staples Center while we're trying to Ruin shoot? Ruin our shot. So one, one day I get an email from Doug, which is an Entertainment Weekly article. And it was right when The Sopranos and uh, and Sex in the City went off the air. And I guess the headline of the article, we can find it on the internet, said, the only thing to look forward to on HBO is the end credit song on Entourage. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> and I get this email from Doug. And he, and, he goes, and he goes, you should put this on your fucking tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I think think that's a perfect ending. And again, just to wrap it all around, this show really, as you see it behind the scenes, in front of the cameras, this has been friendships that have led to great things. Uh, Kevin Dillon, Scott Venner, and I traveled to Italy together, had an amazing trip. Kevin Connolly did not come. uh, Oh, you missed out, bro. You missed out. We had a good good boat ride, huh, Scott? How about that boat ride? ride Going to Capri in a Zodiac. Capri. <laughs> but the entire trip right. was great, and we've uh, we've we've spent a lot of time together. And uh, all four of us have, have had really it's 20, you know, thirty years of friendship for the two of us, and fifteen or twenty for you guys. Yeah. So this was it was great to have you here. And uh, that wraps up another episode of Victory the Podcast. Right. I'm Doug Allen at Mr. Doug Allen, Kevin Dillon at Kevin Dillon Official Victory. Doug just picked up six more followers. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hawking in the cage, but I am my friend.